Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Not Over It. I'm Becky Kirsch. And I'm Zreen Siddiqui. On today's episode, we're discussing the recently released two-part HBO Max film documentary style called What Happened, Brittany Murphy? Um, There's a lot to dive into with this one, to say the least. I like the read that you gave that, like you were asking Brittany Murphy herself. It's called What Happened. What Happened? There's no two. I put a two in there and our producer was like, it's not called What Happened to Brittany Murphy. So it's called What Happened. Let me tell you, I forgot about a lot of what happened to Brittany Murphy and it's all terrible. I know we say we're currently living in unprecedented times, but the 2000s also, when you look back on it, it feels like pretty unprecedented times in the pop culture world. And now we keep getting documentaries to remind us about it. Have we ever lived in precedented times? Ask yourself that. I think when you put it like that, it feels like no. But before we get into all the things that were wrong with the 2000s, Becky, what's your not over it this week? I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is wrong. Did you know that Vanessa Hudgens has her own line of cactus water? Apparently in May, she and her friend released Cali Water, which is hydrating cactus water. Now, I missed the launch of this, perhaps because I didn't know you could even drink cactus water. So I've really been like missing out. You know, there's been a lot of new product drops. We talked about Blake Lively and her seltzer. So I miss Cali Water. But what's interesting to me about this is that there were recent headlines this week because she did an interview with Shape that was about many things. But she mentioned part of the reason why she launched Cali Water was because she doesn't like plain water. And she hates water so much that she has fainted twice from dehydration. So my question is, is this like a medical This is like a diagnose, like you hate H2O. This is a diagnosed medical condition. Vanessa Hudgens is truly if like Coachella was a person. No, 100%. And I think think that's exactly what you want to think of her as, which is why she goes to Coachella year after year. But I just... I can't like I understand that water is not the most like, exciting throw thing, some but cucumbers I can't imagine in there and call it a day. Like my talking about yes, like you- or like flavored water exists. Right. It's just like I also just like calling it plain water, like specifying it's plain. I hate all of this, but I do want to try um, cactus water. I didn't know we could drink that. Okay, well I'll buy you a case. It looked like it was like thirty two ninety nine for twelve. Are you gonna? You can get it on Amazon. <laughs> Don't Venmo me later. <laughs> It comes in flavors. I expect you to drink it and then report back for next okay, week. Um, I love water. <laughs> plain water? Yeah, I love it plain. I mean, you are very, you're very partial to salt. I, I am, but I've stopped doing that because my dentist has told me it's not great for me. I like creating spa I'm water sad. where I just cut a few cucumbers and throw it in. And that works for me. But, you know, whatever floats 
your boat, I guess. Okay, so you're going to release your own line of spa water by Zareen, and it's just going to be cucumber water is what I'm getting, because that's the second time that you've mentioned that your idea water flavor is cucumber. Okay, we're moving on. What's your not over it? Um... My not over this week is cute, um, is very wholesome. So there's a new Entertainment Weekly cover um, out, which is featuring the men of Dune. And it has Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, Timothy Chalamet, and Javier Bardem on the cover, um, which Timothy Chalamet shared on his Instagram story. And then right after it, he shared what appears to be a correspondence between the, um, Oscar Isaac, also Josh Brolin. They're in some kind of group text, which I desperately want to be a part of but oscar isaac says totally we look like we are a really shitty band to which brolin responds we are a really shitty band and i just thought celebrities are just like us group texts no i i too love this i also love the fact that oscar isaac is in timothy chalamet's phone as full named oscar isaac i know brolin is just brolin (laughs) like no first name just But also, isn't Jason Momoa in this movie? I thought he had a prime role. Why wasn't he invited? Also, I where is the women of Dune? Just show me Zendaya. That's fine. I know. They also did have some kind of cover that they did, which was like some moving cover where the camera is going like 360 and they're very intensely looking into our eyes. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I should should go watch this No, I'm just joking. I'm sure. (laughs) I think Zendaya also got plenty of coverage. But yes, this also um, made me laugh really hard. Stars are just like us. Yeah, it was really cute. I appreciated that. Just being normal. You know, I'm sure they all drink plain water. (laughs) A little bromance. I don't know. Timothy Chalamet looks a little dehydrated sometimes. (laughs) Fair. He doesn't. Yeah, he seems fine with plain water. (laughs) So today we are talking about this documentary that focuses on Brittany Murphy, more specifically on her really tragic, untimely death that she died when she was 32 and sort of the events that led up to it, primarily the role that her husband, Simon Monjack, played. And, you know, sort of her rise and fall within Hollywood. Brittany Murphy was, you know, watching this documentary was um, a really big refresher for me because I admittedly had forgot about Brittany Murphy, Um, you know, and then watching this, it was sort of an eye opener of, oh, she was like really present in the 90s um, and early 2000s, being in a ton of movies, Clueless, Girl Interrupted, 8 Mile, uptown girls just married and then she was on a few episodes of boy meets girl boy meets world and sister sister which i i loved her on sister sister and i totally forgot she was on that show but um i had just forgotten how much of like a career trajectory she had actually had i think and it's just this documentary coming out right after you know the free britney movement And just all of these conversations kind of happening about these women in the early 2000s, these starlets that were kind of more or less taken advantage of young female stars and just judged and scrutinized. It's somehow this feels so timely 12 years later. Yeah. So much of this documentary seemed like it was sort of trying to be shocking and salacious and really trying to cash in on our society's general obsession with true crime and what really happened and breaking down the story. But after we watched it, both you and I, when we were discussing it, were saying that one of our takeaways was, wow, what was more eye-opening to me were the same sorts of things that were eye-opening after all the clips that came out during these many Britney Spears documentaries and after where they talk, where they show literally the kinds of interviews that David Letterman was having with Britney Spears, with Lindsay Lohan, with Paris Hilton, when he was sitting down with them in this documentary in particular during Britney Murphy's rougher times, it really shows what 
a punchline she became in certain situations while she was literally wasting away. She had anorexia. She had, you know, a lot of problems. And they talk about like her issues with like prescription drugs and everything else. But then they were making fun of her on Saturday Night Live. And it's a sort of thing where we all watch it and you sort of don't, yes, participate in it. And this was also the era of when the media was just calling women train wrecks a lot of the time. And then when something tragic actually happens in this case, it's like a harsh wake up of like, oh shit. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's one of the bigger things we'll talk about later on is how how far and how really not that far we've come as a society when it comes to these things. But um, why don't we take a quick break and when we get back, we'll actually dive into a little bit more of the details of the actual documentary. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. When I went to watch this documentary, I was expecting a lot of it just to be recap of what I already knew. I mean, I remembered this happening. I remember it was she passed away around Christmas time. I was actually working at Pop Sugar when it happened. And I remember her relationship. And, you know, we didn't actually even cover it that much because it was like that disturbing and upsetting. And I was surprised in watching this by how much I did not remember. and. A lot of a lot of the way that they film this documentary, I didn't love. I mean, they use a lot of clips from her movies as a way to sort of yeah. add to the storytelling of what was happening in her real life, which felt a lot a little bit icky to me. And some of the interviews, um, they had a lot of interviews or like clips of people with from their like their YouTube conspiracy theories. Like all yeah. the stuff about the conspiracy theories about about the death was less interesting to me. But there was a lot about her husband Simon that I either didn't remember or didn't fully take note of that was happening in real time. Just like so many bizarre things he did, signs that he was a con artist, strange ways he was clearly controlling her and basically ruining her life. I think I agree. There was parts of this documentary that just made me very, very uncomfortable and specifically those clips that they use from her movies because it was sort of like they would set up someone saying something like, you know, she was really struggling with drugs and this and that. And then they would use a clip of her saying like, just give me a Xanax from like a movie. And it was all, all, they were trying to make it seem like it was her speaking. And I, or something just very, very gross about that in general. I have to interject because the one that was really getting me was at the end of the first part, they are posing the question of we don't know how she really died. And then they kept using that clip from her from Don't Say a Word that 
was sort of I mean, it was like viral before things were viral where she's like, oh, I'll never oh, tell. Yeah, that was just so disturbing. And they showed it. They kept doing it over and over again of her saying this. And I'm like, this just feels exploitative. Like, why? You don't no, do this. It was gross. I think for me, I did not. This really felt like the first time I was learning a lot of stuff about her. Um, I was like, a, I was a fan of, I loved, you know, I loved her in Clueless. I loved Uptown Girls. I watched Just Married. But I don't think she was someone that I particularly paid a lot of attention to and what was going on with her personal life. So learning just anything and everything about her husband was so jarring. Um, I think seeing those parallels of the lack of control that she had in her life because of this man that was, you know, like a third tier Hollywood screenwriter that really had not a lot going for him. It seems like he really found access to her at a time where she was really struggling and just kind of weaseled his way in and controlled everything. He controlled every part of her life. He spent all of her money. There was like nothing that was happening that he was not involved in, which I, I mean, again, I didn't pay that much attention to her, I guess, in terms of her personal life, but it was jarring to see like, this is what was happening to this girl behind the scenes. No. And he, um, he was a clearly established con artist. They had interviews with another director who had met him years earlier and discovered that he just like told them all these ridiculous stories. He said he was a billionaire. He said that he had cancer and was getting cured by sharks. And oh, when God, this yeah. director saw that uh, Simon Mondrak was controlling Brittany Murphy, he was so desperate to get the news out that he called the National Enquirer because he was like, I don't know what else to right. do to get through to Brittany Murphy to get her away from this man. And also, a lot of it were things that he did after she passed away. I mean, like, we don't have to get into the the details of her death, which are bizarre in and of itself and clear that it could have been prevented. But he went on Larry King with her mother after the fact and was just saying disgusting things about how he didn't want to have an autopsy because he didn't want her body to be cut up because it had curves in all the right places no, and silky skin. I'm just like, this is how you're talking that about that interview was your just dead wife. So cringy to watch their demeanor of them laughing together. And then there was like, you know, they talked about, first of all, he called her mom baby. Because I know you con. She said, Mom, I'm dying. I love you. And Mom, I'm dying. I love you. She knew she was dying. <laughs> this I was a better hour before, but. No, 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 baby. This was. You forgot the time. Like often, which is very disturbing. And then they slept in the same bed together after she died. And it was because they were both helping each other grieve. But. There, there were so many things about him that just it was so cringy and weird. And, you know, there was obviously allegations that her mom was like in on it or or whatever. But like you watch that interview and every like I had all the goosebumps. It was just so disturbing to watch. No. And I think he probably just conned the mom because I also said that the mom was very close with her. And then right, yeah. after Brittany got married, suddenly she the mother was like she just like, you know, bought into everything but again they said they that britney and the husband were on like 90 prescriptions like there's a lot of weird things happening here he but, like refused um, to take her to a doctor and also after she died he tried to make her memorial service into some kind of like cash grab essentially which was quickly taken down because i think people very you know appropriately reacted disgusted by that entire thing and so he took it down and there was no trace of it but he essentially tried to use her 
funeral, a memorial, just as a way for him to raise money for himself because he had spent three million of her dollars in three years. No. And like you said, this man had a clear pattern of preying essentially on women and I think that director also said something to the effect of people would believe his lies because he always had a beautiful woman on his arm. Yeah. And he married this woman and effectively controlled all aspects of her life. And strangely, when I was watching this, it was reminding me of the way that Britney Spears, I mean, in a very different way, yeah. has a man who is making money off of her, controlling all aspects of her life. And I think, it, obviously, again, it's a totally different situation, but it's the same pattern of these women being exploited by men, while like lots of people, it seems like, are standing by and not doing anything or not able to do anything and are, you know, becoming the butt of jokes. In the right. Media. Well, it wasn't. And also it was, you know, there in the interviews folks talk about in the docuseries that, you know, there was an intervention. People went to her and were sort of like, hey, this person is now your agent, your business manager, your makeup artist. Like, this is kind of nutty. Let's step back. And effectively, her entire team was fired. And it was just Simon Monjack was her team. And her not having access to her own, own emails was, yeah, to me, that reminded me of, you know, Britney Spears talking about how her dad's iPad is also connected to her iOS. So anytime she's texting, her dad's seeing every like correspondence that she's having. It's just disturbing. Right. And it ended up not only, I mean, costing her her life, but even before that, it was creating problems for her on set. She was almost fired from a movie because she said she was couldn't do a sex scene. And she just seemed like she was under control. And they said, you know, I think a lot of people just thought that she was on drugs. But after watching this documentary, it's clear that this man was also very negative, negatively influencing all aspects of her no, life. I think she was a a woman in, his, in a not-so-great state, having a hard time. And I think he found her at the time when she was the lowest and preyed on her vulnerability and was able to quickly get access to every aspect of her life um, without really having to prove himself in any way, which, you know, they got into in the documentary of, you know, she was raised by a single mom and she didn't have a father and she was sort of really wanted to settle down and, and find someone and he... Unfortunately, I think for Simon Monjack, it was like right place, right time for him, which is terrifying. No, and we haven't even mentioned the fact that he himself died a few months after she did. I completely forgot about that watching the documentary. Similar, of similar bizarre, mysterious causes that were some combination of anemia and pneumonia and just the whole thing is just really bizarre and sad. No, and it kind of made... It makes you reflect back on the time that it was during, you know, like the 2000s, the tabloids and and just how I guess we'll, which we'll get into. Um, but I guess just looking back at the parallels of, of Britney Spears and the way that folks talked about like Christina Aguilera when she came out of like no longer Genie in the Bottle, like the way that in the 2000s we were so OK with the vulgarity and the way which we spoke about women and then sort of expected like we were as a society shocked that this person's having like mental health issues or something. It's like, it's just really sad. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a break and then when we get back, let's, let's talk more about that. Hey, it's 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Brittany Murphy passed away in 2009, which is, you know, feels like 100 years ago. But more specifically, I we wanted to get into a conversation about what life was like in the 2000s, specifically when it came to, came to the tabloids. Like I, after watching this documentary and reflecting and, you know, like reading some articles about I, like the headlines, I just completely forgot what an insane time it was when it came to how the media covered you know, young starlets, whether it was like Lindsay Lohan, Mandy Moore, Christina Aguilera, obviously Britney Spears. There was like one vantage point where we had TLC was on the top of the charts. Destiny's Child was there. It was like Charlie's Angels, um, Legally Blonde, like all these shows that were and movies, very women led TV and movie series. And then on the other side, there was this whole genre of like tabloid and entertainment happening with like MTV Spring Break and like girls gone wild and essentially like late night hosts being absolutely disgusting to like young women when they're on their shows. Right. Well, and it, and it all comes down to objectification, right? This is also like the rise of paparazzi really becoming a thing. Like the internet getting in on all of this. Like it wasn't just like the magazines you picked up at the store. It was like you, the paparazzi could take pictures. They were selling them they were up disgusting upskirt photos yeah, i forgot about those like i remember yeah. the photo agencies like shopping those around to us at pop sugar like oh do you want to like can you like oops like anne hathaway got out of the car like they would not only take that picture but then they would sell them and people Profit. would post yeah. them and print them which is like remember paris exposed god where all of i mean forget the sex tape this was like someone was literally just selling all of her stuff. I mean, this is like revenge porn before revenge porn was And a I thing, think people are basically. so quick to, you know, we've judged Paris Hilton for all of these years. And then the reality is this was a 19-year-old girl when this tape came out against her will. She did not publish this on her own. And what ensued afterwards was not her choice. And everybody was sort of just blaming her and finding her to be disgusting and like gross and whatever, all this slut-shaming happening when she was a ch- she was essentially a child is what the most horrifying no, thing is. No, and we, and in a lot of ways, we as a society consumed all of this like we would a television show when Paris Hilton went to jail, Lindsay Lohan got another mugshot. Remember when Nicole Richie had that DUI? She was driving on the wrong side of oh, the yeah. PCH and then you'd see the mugshot and it never felt good, but then it was just like, who's the biggest, like talking about who's like the biggest train wreck? Like, can you believe it? Like in this documentary about Brittany Murphy, there are clips of them on Saturday Night Live, like making fun of her for being so out of it. And no, you know, in a way that obviously now looking back on it, it's like just, you know, seems horrible because she's dead. But when Nicole Richie totally turned her life around. So when you look back on those things, it's like, does it does it feel the same way? And I think that's like 
the other thing that I paid attention to in this documentary is when they had clips of, you know, Brittany Murphy dated Ashton Kutcher when Just Married was coming out. And he went on the Howard Stern show, who is just gross. Like, I don't know as a society how we keep giving him a pass with all of these disgusting interviews he's had. But he's basically, you know, asking Ashton Kutcher, like, dude, you're dating the fat, ugly chick from Clueless. Brittany Murphy. Which is your new girlfriend. Yes. She got to be big from Clueless. But can you believe she was the ugly chick in Clueless? I mean, it, that, I mean she was a fat, ugly chick. Ugly. She's trying to transform fat. herself. <laughs> what are you talking about? And you feel like Ashton Kutcher's uncomfortableness with the questions. And he's sort of like, oh, okay, Hollywood secret. The ugly girl's just like a pretty girl they do down. It's like, but he keeps pressing it and pressing it. And it is the same thing of him talking to Justin Timberlake, asking about like, so did you take a virginity? Did you guys see? And Justin Timberlake on the opposite spectrum of Ashton Kutcher, really leaning into that conversation, which disgusting on itself, but yeah. Well, Justin Timberlake's gross. And I think a big crux um, of Brittany Murphy's career and a turning point and something that, you know, we all noticed was that after she was in Clueless and in Clueless, she was adorable, but she had curly brown hair mm-hmm. and, and a specific sort of like more natural everyday look. Then all of a sudden she was extremely thin, had bleach blonde hair, completely changed her look. And in these interviews, um, the actress Kathy Najimi provided a lot of the footage um, for this documentary and a lot of her I mean as like a close friend and a lot of her interviews I found to be the most interesting because they you know she just had like such a warm fondness for her and she was talking about how an agent told Brittany Murphy that she was huggable but not fuckable and that like completely changed her entire viewpoint on what she had to look like and she basically like gave her an eating disorder yeah and you know we talked about this offline obviously but when you mentioned about these interviews that they had to go through and, you know, would, I think for me on upon reflection is that like, how, how much further have we come as a society and how much are we still where we were, you know, 12 years ago? Whereas, yeah, would Jimmy Fallon ask Olivia Rodrigo if she's still a virgin? No. But like when that song came out, did we paint Sabrina Carpenter as like the evil one? And Olivia Rodrigo is this innocent girl that her boyfriend got, it's, we're still kind of doing the same thing to women. Like, that's what I think is so scary is that we actually don't know what happens to these girls like behind the scene and the pressure and all the scrutiny that they're under day to day of just being a public figure. So back then it was so in your face where Britney Spears is talking to Diane Sawyer and she's like, why did you cheat on Justin Timberlake? And like no one's talking to Justin Timberlake about why did you tell like Howard Stern that you had sex with her? Like the double standard, I feel like, still very much exists at very much the detriment of mostly female stars. Yeah, I think this is very much still happening. And whether or not it's happening right before our eyes, like, obviously, like, people criticize Taylor Swift for myriad reasons for her feud with Kanye for dating a lot of men, which also plays into everything we're talking about. But even in her own uh, Netflix documentary, Miss Americana, she talked about how she had an eating disorder for a while for the same reasons of Hollywood's expecting you to look a certain type of way. And I think you and I talk about this every time there's a music uh, award show and there's performances. Most of the women are wearing some outfit that resembles a bathing suit and whether or not like no one's forcing them to do that. And if that's what they want to wear, that's totally empowering. Yeah. But like we as a society also expect them to be scantily clad, yeah. 
while Justin Bieber could literally roll out of a dumpster that he's been sleeping in for three days, not wash his hair, put on a hoodie and come on stage. And no one would criticize no. that or think it's weird or expect him to put in the same level of work effort. and dedication yeah. into his own look and effort. Yes. I think, well, that always reminds me of like, I I think it was a Grammys or something where Beyonce and Ed Sheeran performed together and Beyonce was just like in this beautiful gown and Ed Sheeran was just sitting there like he crawled out of a McDonald's dumpster. And I'm like, what is like, you couldn't put on a suit? Like, why does she have to wear a ball gown? And, and again, if that's what she wanted to do and like, yes, that's great. But yeah, I think the expectation is Unfortunately, if Beyonce wanted to wear a hoodie on stage, I think people would be like, oh, what's wrong with her? No, well, it's like Billie Eilish for much of her career, during which she has been an actual teenager, has chosen to really cover up her body, to have green hair, to not change up her look dramatically from time to time. And some people love that and other people are annoyed by it or, you know, think it's boring or critique her for not changing it up. But then when she does change it up, people also critique her for, oh, now she's showing her body. Now she's in underwear. Now I'm disappointed in her that before she was really covering up. It's just like you can't win no matter no. what you do. And men are not suffering the same scrutiny. It made me laugh that Jonah Hill recently posted on Instagram, I know you mean well, but kindly ask that you not comment on my body, good or bad. I want to politely let you know it's not helpful and doesn't feel good. Much respect. And yes, like he's right. Yeah. Like Jonah Hill, people should not comment on your body, but also it's kind of get over yourself. funny <laughs> I'm just, to me right. where I'm just sort of like, yeah, I understand it's uncomfortable. And yes, like jo people should not be asking Jonah Hill. There are also tons of really awkward interviews with Jonah Hill where they ask him like, do you think you can still be funny now that you're not fat anymore? And it's all... Yeah inappropriate but it's just like the dichotomy of how it's happening to men compared to how it's happening to women like can you imagine if any woman posted this like i know you mean well but kindly don't comment on my body like also like that's gonna stop no that's anyone. first of all people would just be like oh she's difficult she's being sensitive <laughs> like right can you imagine if can you imagine if lizzo posted that i mean she has posted things like that no yeah but it's always like that's too much coming from a woman but if men ask her like well at least he did it nicely and it's like a woman can also ask nicely it's never received that way though is the difference it's always received as like it's in a, some type of aggression i think for me it's just this documentary that um frankly i watched it so you don't have to because perez hilton is in it and he's gross so you being the listeners yes. not me i i did have to yeah <laughs> becky did have to watch it um it just made me reflect back on the fact that you know as a society we as a woman myself i can do better when i hear stories about starlet listen are we allowed to judge celebrities yes they put themselves out there we're allowed to do it but i think there's levels to it and I realize that like feeding into it, especially when it comes to public figures that are females, is hurting women as as society more than it's helping. So I look back like to me, honestly, it really did make me reflect on as silly as it sounds, the Olivia Rodrigo thing where I was like, mm, I bet Sabrina sucks. And then I'm like, wait, why do I have opinions about this like 15, 20 year old that like I don't like. I'm sure she's a great person. This is so dumb that like we're still doing this as a society, which is why I really thought about it. And I'm like, this is gross. We like we've gotten better, but we're really not anywhere close to where we should be. No. Well, and it's like the fact that like Haley Baldwin Bieber is still getting hate comments about the fact that 
Justin Bieber is not with Selena Gomez. Like this woman, they are married. They have been married. And like this woman really did nothing other than marry Justin Bieber. Like no matter how you feel about her or Selena Gomez or Justin Bieber, it's just like, stop. This is a waste of your time and energy. And also I cannot think of a situation in which like a man would get the same. No. And that's the thing. Treatment. That's the thing. Like were people like egging Brad Pitt's house, yelling justice for Jennifer Aniston? I don't think so. (laughs) No, I don't think that was happening. Well, I guess in conclusion, I think for me, this documentary was a um, gross because there's a lot of clips in it that I was like, ew. And the presence of Perez Hilton is always just vomit inducing in general. Um, But it also was eye opening in the fact that there's more of these documentaries that are going to come out about a lot of these female artists that you know, were had this big come up in the 2000s. So a part of me is just kind of like getting frustrated at the fact that this has happened for so many years and it keeps happening. But I think it's also a point of reflection where I feel like, okay, I can do better at least, I think, with my own viewpoints and what I'm putting out. And what we put out on our podcast in our art. <laughs> yes, we can be more mindful of that. No, I agree. I mean, especially since we watch so much scripted content that I think we can reserve our judgment for the characters that we watch in the in the art we consume and not so much on the artists themselves and their person, especially not their personal yeah, lives. Yeah, hard to agree. Um, well, with that, Becky, it is time for the burning question. Are you ready? Okay. Let's hear it. All right. Well, yes. to keep things a little bit lighter, because we were talking about the 2000s and how everything was dark, there was a lighter side to the 2000s, full of anthems for women that we all sing while we cook and in the shower. I know we do, because I'm always listening to Destiny Child wherever I am. But okay, I, didn't we just talk, let's not make generalizations about women, Zareen? What songs that are good? Every woman. <laughs> You're like, sorry, I was just with you. Because you're like, we all sing them and cook. Excuse me, just because I'm a woman doesn't oh, mean sorry. I cook or oh, shower. Sorry, right. Okay. Or order seamless and wait. You order seamless and you put on a song until seamless gets there. You don't have to cook. Kitchens are the devil. <laughs> Thank don't you. go in there. Great. Um I do love cooking. Anyway. Um if you had to pick a song to make your two thousands lady anthem, which song would you pick? There's so many good ones. Okay. I I have to use the Google just because I may I don't have a good brain for remembering I, I have a hard time differentiating between what came out in the 90s and what came out in the ah. 2000s. I mean, like, my brain is going as to long as you don't pick Lady I, Marmalade. I don't want to be. I want to be bad by Willa Ford. I think you're fine. Oh no, I got okay. it. Okay. The answer is Kelly Clarkson. Since you've been gone, classic, the best. Even my though my roommate in college had one of those. Uh, what was it like? When your phone played the song, the ringback tone. That was terrible. Yes, that was horrible. Oh my god! Um, I do also. True confession. I do really love the song "Dirty" by Christina Aguilera, just because it was so shocking. It was to me. like such a good like and workout I think it's very, song. <laughs> I think it's extremely catchy. I'll see now. Oh, Lady Marmalade was the 2000s. That was my where my brain went first. Dirty used to be on my little um, mini. I iPod Shuffle, remember those? Yes, I had one of those. And I just remember I would hear it so often, and then I one time finally hooked it up to my computer, and I was like, oh, there's three songs on this, and two of them are Dirty by Christina Aguilera. No wonder I'm hearing this song so much. Yeah. I mean, there's, oh God, there's there's so many. But yes, Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone, final answer, DJ, play that song. Since you've been gone, 
Not Over It is hosted and produced by Becky Kirsch and Zareen Siddiqui. Our producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is John Ross. Our executive producers are Allison Noel and Lisa Sugar. Have something to share? Tell us the moments you're not over by emailing us at notoverit at popsugar.com. Thanks for listening.